So it's so good to be here today. How about that awesome worship in the worship team? Can we give it up for them? I, I don't know if you know this. Uh, if you don't, then wow, you, you will now that they don't just like perform or lead us in worship. These guys and gals up here are worshiping God. You know, if this place was empty, uh, it would still be worship for them. And, and sometimes I'll focus in on somebody. So worship team members, if you ever see me staring at you, I'm not just some old creepy guy. You know, <laughs> I really get blessed watching people worship. And today I was like focusing in on our drummer, Noah. I mean, that cat was getting it. <laughs> I mean, just like he was, he was in a world of his own. And I, I just love that. I love to see people get just carried away in worship. It's just awesome. For those of you who don't know me, I was out for a few weeks. I had a procedure done and uh, uh, I was home watching on live stream. And, uh, you know, they, they told me the first service, the live stream had a glitch in it. And so there was no sound. So I can just picture like some of my family watching that and making up the words, you know, as it like bad lip reading or whatever. Um, I'm, I'm actually sure maybe some of them did that. But I'm Pastor Perry. I'm one of the ministers here. And uh, it, it's just such a privilege to be on, on staff here. Just a couple of quick items. One is uh, my wife and I also direct the freedom groups here at the church. They started last week. But if you're not in a small group, things like freedom group and fresh start are pastor always uh, encourages you to get involved in it uh, and you can come out tonight and get involved in it even though you missed the first week we can catch you up and uh, uh, talk to me after service talk to my wife we have a couple of different classes we have some through the week as well but get involved in, in, in that freedom group is it's life-changing for me and uh, it can be life-changing for you I always make this little pitch we need to be praying every day for our church uh, my wife and I, we have a ritual that we go through every day. Before I leave for work, we'll pray. Uh, we'll hold hands and we'll pray. And I'll say, Lord, bless her, help her today, give her strength, all the things she needs to do. Uh, pray for myself that, uh, you know, I'll understand the stuff I need to do today. And we pray for each and every one of our kids. Sometimes one of them will we'll pray a little longer for them. If we know they're going through something, our grandchildren praying protection over them. We pray for our president and our country. Doesn't matter the political party. We pray for them. The Bible says to do that. And then we always finish by praying for Pastor Michael and Amanda, for God's strength, for God's provision, and for vision for our church. And so uh, we, we go through all of that. If you were at the marriage conference this weekend, wasn't that awesome? Absolutely awesome. Yeah, yeah, give it up. And if, you, and if you're married and you didn't go to it, then, you know, they have it again next year. And even if you went this year, you can go again next year. We've been to a few of them now. Uh, matter of fact, the last church I pastored before I joined True Life, uh, was before True Life had a building, they actually used the church I was pastoring, used the building to have the very, very first one uh, that they ever had. So I've been involved in this for, for quite a while. And it's... Uh, it, it was just awesome. I appreciated it, and my wife really needed it. So uh, that was uh, <laughs> that was always. Uh, and yes, I will pay for that. So we're continuing the series uh, of uh, I Promise. And Michael had asked me, as he explained, to do week three. Week three is a subject that 
I always, I said in the first service, it wasn't necessarily in my wheelhouse or it's not one of my favorite topics to speak on, but it really has a lot to do with relationship and with marriage. And if you're married, hopefully it'll help. If you're not married, get it right now or you, you'll have a struggle when you do uh, get to that point. But I'm going to talk today about the promise of blessing. And in talking about blessing, we're going to talk about money today. And right now, somebody out there is saying, oh crap, we picked this Sunday to come to service, you know. Uh, you know, but we're, we're going to talk about money. And it's uncomfortable sometimes to talk about money in church. It just, it, it's... If it's painful for you, sometimes it's painful for the one delivering the message on money. And I think the reason of that in church is because we, we've all heard the negative side of it at church. I'm sure every, nobody here has said this, but I'm sure everybody has heard this one time or another. All that preacher wants is my money. Yeah, if you've heard that, I've heard that. And I'm a preacher, you know, <laughs> so the people have no problem saying that. Unfortunately, this is what happens. We allow a few bad seeds to predict what we're going to do according to the scripture and according to the word of God. And there are preachers out there that are after your money. You know, they, they, they're there. And you can go on TV, you can go on the radio, and they're always selling gadgets and this and that and the other, holy this and water and spring water and food and prepare for the rapture and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, it, it's crazy some of the stuff that's, that's, that's out there today. And there are ministers that have abused their authority and have got money from people for own personal gain. And, and, you know, I apologize for all that. But at the same time, let me just throw this out to you. There, there are bankers that embezzle money. There are doctors that really uh, have done things that led to malpractice. There are attorneys that are crooked. There are food service providers that are filthy and unhealthy. You know, there are all kinds of people in the workplaces out there that do things they shouldn't do. But we still put our money in the bank. We still go out to eat. We still go to the doctor or to the hospital because we don't let the, the problems of a few dictate, you know, what is the right thing to do. So let me come to it from that point. And like I said, there have been some... Uh, they, <laughs> Unfortunately, some of, those, some of those get all of the attention, you know. When, when I became a Christian as a teenager, uh, before I became a Christian, excuse me, there was a minister that came on the radio, and uh, he was quite a character. And he was always talking about money. And he would have peace, people testify, you know, on the radio. Yes, I gave $20 to this minister, and the next week, I got a brand new Cadillac, you know, you know, and it was just like, 
And, you know, I'm like 14 years old. My buddy and I would go camping. Uh, and, and a lot of times it would be a tent or we would just sleep under the stars. We would get on a horse. We would go back into the woods or we would walk back into the woods. And uh, my, my friend Frank uh, had a horse and we would go back on Babe. That was the horse's name. And, and we would go back camping. And we had a transistor radio. For all of you young people out there, you know, if you go to museums and stuff, you can find or, or to antique shops. And transistor radios, you know, you were at the luck of what you could tune in, you know. And we found this minister one time. And I got to tell you, for people who weren't saved, didn't know Christ, didn't go to church, this guy was hilarious, you know. And so we would listen to him, and he had this one spiel that he would do. He was always selling something, and he was selling these lucky coins for $20. And on one side of the coin, it said luck. And on the other side of the coin, it said faith. And so, to the best of my ability, because I know I will get hammered for this later, you know, in life, but this minister, and no, I won't mention his name from the pulpit, I don't do that, but here, here was his spiel in his kind of southern kind of way. He would, he would say, get my lucky faith coin, and he would, I saw him later on TV years ago, and he would flip it up and grab it and he would say, lucky faith coin, you can't lose with the stuff I use. Money, you need it. Don't come to none of my conventions unless you got it. I don't want to hear the cling clang and the jing jang of the change hitting the plate. I want the soft, easy folding money. Ha! <laughs> you know. And <laughs> Somehow that's going to come back and haunt me, I know. I, I can remember as, as a teenager going to churches and stuff, and I, I remember this one time in particular, the minister got up and he, he gave this really plea and throw a sad story in there about somebody didn't do right and God snuffed them out, you know, all these kinds of things, and they took an offering, and a few minutes later he gets up and he, an usher walks up to him while he's up there preaching, and he says, I just found out the offering wasn't large enough, we're sending the plates around again. And they sent him around a second time. And then again, it happened for the third time that they sent the plates around. And I went, this just don't feel right, you know? We're not, you know, so I've seen all the stuff and, and all of those things, and I was never comfortable with any of that. But I am so grateful that we're in a church that doesn't do that. I am so grateful that we're in a, uh, in a church where the pastor tells our visitors, this is your first time here. This service is on us. It's for you. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to give. We're not going to ask you to. Uh, it's our gift to you, and we want to do that. And, and, and we're about blessing people and helping people. There, there's no pleas. There's no begging. There's no sad stories. And God has blessed our church. Wouldn't you agree? We can't allow a few people that misuse things to dictate the things that God has asked us to believe for. So listen, and in marriage, why are you talking about money? Because in marriage, uh, according to the journal, National Journal of Sociology, that up to 40% of all marriage problems have a root in money. That divorces, about 40% of divorces, money is a factor in the divorce. Infidelity is number one, but, but 40%. Somehow, 
money is involved. It's one of the least, it, it's not the only thing, but even in every argument, I've counseled with tons of people over the years, and somewhere in that conversation, money will come up. Even if the argument is about something else, money comes up in it. It's just, it's kind of like if you've ever gone and, uh, to, to, a, to a restaurant, you've ordered a pizza, you know, and they bring it out, and you're so hungry, it's piping hot, and you shouldn't eat it yet, but what do you do? You take it, and you take a bite of it, and it burns, like, right up there in the roof of your mouth, and you get that little, and your tongue just keeps going there, you know, the rest of the night. It just does, and that's kind of like money is in marriage. No matter what the argument is about, the tongue kind of goes there, and it's irritating, and for some reason, you just have to go there. So, you know, the arguments start like this. You're a tightwad. Well, I wouldn't be a tightwad if you didn't buy so many shoes. <laughs> who spends that much money on fingernails? Well, who spends that much money on video games? <laughs> I make all the money and all you do is stay home with the kids. Oh, Lord, don't go there, guys. Please, please. You don't want to stay home with the kids. And ladies, this little side note here, the whole fingernail thing, that is so cute. And don't, don't make the excuse that you're doing that for your husband. You're doing it to show off to your girlfriends. You know, you just are. Because there has never been like two guys standing and a woman walks by and they say, whoa, did you see the nails on her? No, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> I'm going to pay for that too. <clears throat> okay, so let's jump in here and get started about the principles of money from the Bible. Why? Because if we don't apply the principles of God to our individual selves, we will never be able to apply them to our marriage. And it's simple things. We're talking about, you know, having a budget, agreeing on expenses, praying about things, not spending foolishly. All of those things we should know, but what does God say about money? So the, uh, the, the, the first thing uh, in your notes, if you're following along, we're blessed. Do you know we are blessed? We are a blessed people. God has blessed us. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. You're here. You've got coffee. Most of you ate breakfast or you eat lunch this afternoon. We are blessed, but we're blessed to be a blessing. God has blessed us so that we could be a blessing. Yes, I'm going to talk about giving, but I'm going to talk about much more than just giving. In Genesis 12, 2, the word says, I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I like that. God says, I'm going to bless you. Your name is going to be great, but he's doing it for a purpose, the purpose is, and you will be a blessing. That, and you will, I heard that from my mother and from my father growing up. And you will. And you will do your chores. And you will clean your room. And you will do your homework. And you will get a better grade next semester. And why? They were telling me something that I was going to do. It wasn't like a suggestion. Mom or dad never suggested that I do my chores. You know, if you feel like it, maybe. Nope, you will do this. God says, I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. But here's the catch. You will be a blessing. In other words, you're going to bless somebody else. 
You're going to do that. Now, this is one of those last service. I got the fewest amens that I've got in the last 10 services combined. But we're talking about money. How many of you have ever heard this scripture? Some of you thought it was just a saying. But it's more blessed to give than to receive. That is so good. That is so sweet. But do we really believe it? Now, when we're children, we don't believe that. As a kid, no, no, no. Any of you who have kids, you know, it, it's kind of neat being a grandparent now because I watch my kids struggle. <laughs> they do a great job. They're doing a better job with our children, with their children. They, they do, you know, my, my, my kids are such great parents. They really are. But there's sometimes their kids misbehave and it's fun watching them deal with it. It really is. You know, and like, like you know, I'll talk about my son, Joel. He's one of the pastors here, you know, at the church. And why do I talk about him? Because I can. Uh, but, you know, his oldest kid, just like him. You know, Sydney, she's a prankster. She's funny. She does this. But boy, when she goes into one of those things, I'm going, yeah, that is so funny. You've got a kid just like you. <laughs> but then I realized that we've got to watch her, you know, so. <laughs> but when children, if you have children, especially if you have more than one child, you have no doubt heard this at one time coming from the other side of the house and, and uh, it, it's, it starts out low, but then it gets to this blood-curdling kind of your ears bleeding type thing. You hear this, mine, 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 mine. And you're like, oh my God, I've got to go in there. And your ears are bleeding, you're hurting, you're just like, oh no. And you go in there and no doubt the smaller child is pulling on a toy that belongs to the older child, but the little kid is saying, mine. And you go in there after you've just reached your wits in and you look at the older kid and you say, give it to them. <laughs> but it's mine. I don't care. They have things of mine too. Just give it to them. You know? It's <laughs> because we're born selfish. We're born with a sinful nature and we want everything mine. Women, I'm going to tell you something too. Men are selfish. I'm talking about me. We are selfish. There is something that we do not want to share. We do not want to share our food. It is not romantic, okay? It just is not. So, you know, if you're going through the drive-thru, wives, girlfriends, when they, when they look at you and say, hey, what do you want? Oh, I'm not that hungry. I'll just eat some of yours. No, mine, mine, mine. I will buy you two meals, Okay? It's mine. And if I still ate French fries, the French fries are mine. And the ones that follow in the bottom of the bag are mine. Leave them alone. Those are the best ones, aren't they? <laughs> so listen. Sometimes our prayers even become selfish. Lord, bless me, bless my wife, bless our two kids, us four and no more. We, we need to learn that God has blessed us to be a blessing. And it's not just money. I know I mentioned money, but it, it's, it's not just money. It, it's, it's the whole thing. So here, here, is, here is something. We can, here's, here's big blessing mistakes, okay? Here's mistakes we make, we, we make in the blessing. We, um, we ignore God's blessing. That's a, that's a bad thing to do. To just like write it off as you're not blessed, 
You know, we, we ignore it. And, and that's wrong. We act like we deserve more. We complain that, you know, our BMW doesn't have this year's features on it. So, you know, nothing wrong with the BMW. But, you know, it's like, yeah, okay. Well, you know, it's not the nicest one. We ignore it or we say, you know, my beach home only has four uh, bedrooms. Well, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sorry about that. Uh, but it's okay if you have the beach home. Praise God, you know, if you've got that. But don't ignore it. Go ahead and admit, I'm blessed. God's blessed me. That's a good thing. Listen, if you eat two meals today... If you have more than one bedroom in your house, if you have three outfits or more to wear, you are among the wealthiest people in this planet, on this planet. Absolutely, that's the truth. You are one of the wealthiest people. You may not have as much as somebody else, but I guarantee you, you have more than most. How do you know? I've been to some of those places. I've been to, to some of those mud huts in, in Zimbabwe with, with grass roofs on them where you've got 10 people living in one room. That's it. That's the bedroom, living room, kitchen, and the bathroom is around back, and the stove is the fire out front. I, I, I've been there several times, and I've seen some of the happiest, most blessed people in the world uh, when you talk to them. So don't ignore God's blessing. The, the other thing is we apologize for God's blessing. Oh, that is such a lovely home that you have. Yeah, we wouldn't have it if we hadn't got it in foreclosure from somebody else. And it needed a lot of work to be done to it because we really can't afford this house. But, you know, it, it just, we, we had a lot of lucky breaks and everything. They just complimented you on your house. Say thank you. Okay? Why you apologize? Oh, Pastor Perry, I like that shirt. Looks good. Makes you look slim. That is a nice, it's a requirement that you got to wear checkered when you're up here. You know, it's a... I really, really like that shirt, Pastor Perry. It looks nice. Yeah, I got it at Kohl's for 75% off on that rack, you know, you go to. Because why, why do you not say that, you know? Why, why do you like apologizing for, for, you know, everything? Oh, your wife is so pretty. Yeah, you should see her before she put... No, I better... <laughs> Don't apologize. Listen, if God is the source of your blessing, do not apologize for it. God has been good to me. You know, thank God. You know, God has been so good to me. I, I, I just give glory to him for it, you know. I, I remember going to, when I was a young minister, I went to this minister's conference. I was pastoring this little church in Baltimore. I had like 20, 22 people. And the very first Sunday that I was there, <laughs> the very first Sunday, uh, two women got in a fight out in the lobby, you know. <laughs> I mean, really, they got in a fight. I didn't even know them, you know. I'm this, you know, 25-year-old minister. And I'm like, <gasps> what do I do? I rebuke thee, Satan. Give me some holy water. You know, go on TV and buy it. <laughs> Listen. This minister gets up and speaks to all, speaks to all of the, uh, um, <laughs> I just realized the volume's on my thing here, you know. My mom might call and say, hey, I couldn't hear you the first service. Yeah, I turned that down. You know, the, the, uh, uh, this minister gets up and he speaks to all of us and he was the pastor of this large church. And as he got up, he started talking about, well, us preachers are never going to get rich. We're never going to make this. If I had gone into the business world, then, you know, I could have made money. And he was apologizing. And he said, all I drive is an old pickup truck. And I went, well, I don't feel so bad now, 
you know? I got a little teeny car, and it got a lot of miles on it. I don't, I'm pastoring a little dinky church, and he's got a big church, and he's apologizing, you know, that he don't have any money until we had our lunch break, and I'm in the parking lot, and I watch him get into this, I mean, high, classy, fancy, every little bobble that you can get on a truck, brand spanking new. I saw him crawling, and I said, man, I ain't even had a house cost that much, you know? Why are you apologizing if God's blessed you? Never feel sorry for what you've got. And so the next thing we do is uh, we can hoard God's blessing. We can just, you know, I earned it. It's mine, 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 mine. Studies have shown percentage-wise people who have less give more. Uh, it, it, It just happens. Now, I'm blessed. I am very blessed to come from a generous family. And my wife's parents are very generous as well. Uh, My mom, very generous. My sister is one of the most generous people that I know. Um, You know, I've got some friends that are very generous with their time, with their talent, with their money. This isn't all about money, but we talk about money because it's the only thing you can hold, okay? You're supposed to give your talent, you're supposed to give your time, your effort, all of these other things, but they're a little harder to measure. So hoarding, uh, you know, uh, it's good to be generous, it's good to be blessed. Don't keep it all for yourself, because that's a mistake with a blessing. And I got to tell you this, to me anyway, greed is one of the ugliest features of somebody. Somebody who is greedy and hoarding and it's all for me and I'm not sharing and I'm not, you know, doing this. I, I used to work this job and, and, and even now where I work, I'll bring food in just some days, you know. The other day, my wife made a whole bunch of cookies and I just brought them in and gave them, gave them out to everybody. I, I cook food, I make food, I, I, I love to cook and, and uh, I'll just bring stuff in. And I work this job and I bring food in all the time. And boy, there was this one guy And he was the first one at the table if we had a food day and the last one to leave and he would take stuff home with him, but he never brought anything. And and I remember one day, you know, he comes in and he's got this big thing of pudding, you know, and it's all these cups. He bought it. I mean, it's pre-done. And I said, hey, Reg, (laughs) that's a lot of pudding you got there, bud. And he puts his arms around him. (laughs) And he said, yeah, you can buy them at ShopRite right now. They're on sale. <laughs> and he, he, he never shared one with anybody, you know. It's like, I didn't even want the pudding, you know. <laughs> but he was afraid of greed is an ugly thing. So we got to ask ourselves the question. Are we owners or are we stewards? An owner, mine, it belongs to me. A steward, you take care of it. When I was young, we were tenant farmers. What's a tenant farmer? A tenant farmer is you live on their property, you live in that house that they supply for you, and you take care of the product that they have there for you. We were chicken farmers, and we took care of several chicken houses for the company, and they paid us a salary, you know, and, but, but the, we lived in their house. We were tenant farmers. Uh, we didn't own a thing there. We had to take care of everything. And God says, God is the owner. Do you know that? God's the owner of everything. And matter of fact, the scripture says this. The earth is the Lord's and almost everything in it, except for what's yours. No, everything in it, the world 
and all who live in it. Not only does everything that you have belong to God, you belong to God. All who live in it. Here's a uh, Psalm 50, verse 10. For every animal of the forest is whose? God's, mine, and the cattle on a thousand hill. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. God can have those. I don't want them. And if I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world is mine and all that's in it. God says, I have it all. It all belongs to me. Are we owners? Are we stewards? New Testament, same thing. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it is God's. So if everything's God's, why aren't we feeling blessed? He's given it to us. Matter of fact, in the principle of the tithing, and I'm not teaching a whole lesson on tithing today, but we always say we give our tithe. The act, actually, we're not even giving our tithe. We're returning the tithe. 10% of God owns it all anyway. So everything that I have to my name, every dollar in the paycheck that I get, it all belongs to God. But God says, you keep 90% of it and you just return 10 of it to me. It's all his anyway. So all I'm doing is returning what belongs to him. Amen. Thank you from way back there. Listen, uh, when we understand that we're just, we're, we're just stewards of this, there's freedom in that. Because as stewards, when we do what we're supposed to do, the owner will take care of the steward. Every time a flock of chickens went to the, to the processing plant, we got paid. And if we didn't get paid, mom or dad would get on the phone and say, hey, <laughs> dad didn't say it like that. <laughs> Where's that check? Have you sent it yet? I need to make a truck payment. And, you know, they were going to take care of us because we kept our end of the deal. And when we want the provision of God, we need to make sure we know that we are stewards. But I worked hard. I built this house. I built, bought this land. I did. It all belongs to me. Tell me that in 50 years. Okay? Well, my kids will have it. Someday a stranger will own it. Okay? Or they'll lease it for their life. That's all. So, listen, when you walk in God's provision, God will take care of you. I just believe it. Let me, let me give you an illustration. When Penny and I were first married, we got married while we were in college. Actually, right after freshman year, we got married. Why? Because she couldn't keep her hands off of me, and it was better to marry than to burn. Uh, still have that problem today. Uh, next week, Michael will preach on lying. No. But we got married very young. We were 19 years old. We've been married this summer. We'll be 42 years. All those people, yeah, yeah, give it up for, for Penny. All those people at the marriage conference, we've been married 12 years, you know. I got shoes that old. Uh, the, uh, but Penny and I were married. We're, we're, we're on our own. And we ran out of money. We were college kids. I was working in the summer at college, cleaning all those filthy dorms uh, to get ready for the next batch of kids. And so we're there. I'm working. And we ran out of money. We ran out of month. <laughs> or we had more month than money. You know, we, we were flat broke. We didn't have anything. We tied to our local church that we went to. Even though we were college kids, we tied. We gave offerings. We did everything like you're supposed to do. We were being good stewards. We just ran out of money. We were college kids. I was making money working at the college. It wasn't much. 
And I remember coming home from lunch and we had like a pack of crackers and some mustard. Not a healthy diet. Uh, and being the man of the house, I got to tell you, the Spirit of God kind of rose up inside of me and I made a declaration. I said, honey, you can have the crackers because I'm that kind of man. And I said, matter of fact, and this was a Spirit of God inside, I am going on a fast which is easy when you don't have any food. <laughs> and I am not going to eat again until you abundantly supply this need, God. Tenant, owner. I'm the tenant. God, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I need you to do this for my family. I am going on a fast. Now, by not eating anything, that meant if I went to work and the boss said, hey, you want half of my sandwich? I was going to say no because that wasn't providing for my family. If somebody said, you know, hey, you want a candy bar? I'm going to the store. No. God, you're going to supply. And I I am going on a fast, and I was sincere in my heart. I'm the tenant. He's the owner. I went to work, and a guy named Chuck had been on vacation. He came back. When I got there at lunch, Chuck was home from his vacation, and he came to work. And Chuck said, how's everything going, Perry? I said, it's going okay. He said, hey, listen, I'm going to ask you something. Don't be offended, you know, but I I just want to ask you something. How's everything going? I said, it's going okay. I wasn't going to say, man, I'm hungry, you know. Now, back then, I was like 140 pounds, you know, so uh, I didn't have much reserve. And he said, well, listen, here's what happened. I just went home to my parents in Ohio, and uh, my dad's a cattle rancher up there, and he has a lot, and he just slaughtered a bunch of cows, you know, and he gave me a ton of meat. I mean, he said, my back seat of my car is filled with steaks and roast and this and that and... He said, and I got this little dinky freezer. He said, but you know parents, they make you take it. He said, can you take it from me? I don't want it. And he said, and by the way, my mom works at a cannery. And she brought, she has all these like dented cans, you know, green beans, corn, peas, blah, da, 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 da. I got boxes of that too. So I went home from that day, you know, and I said, honey, the fast is over. The shortest fast in the history of mankind. Why? Because I understood that I was the tenant and he was the owner. So let's move here. I got some stuff to cover. Last service, I just was like buzzing through these at the end. They told me to take my time and preach three hours if I needed to. We need to resolve to be a blessing. Are we owners or stewards? We need to resolve to be a blessing. In the scripture, we need to make up our mind. That's what that means. Make up your mind to be a blessing. In, in Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 4, 9, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying that I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez means born in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me. Keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Do you know it's okay to ask God for things? Now, it's important here. It says that he was more honorable than his brothers. God's not just going to give you something for you to do something foolish with it. He was more honorable. That word honorable in, in, in the Hebrew, it literally means heavy. No, it didn't mean he was fat. It meant there was substance to him, okay? There was substance. There was something about him that God saw. There was substance to him. 
And God wants to bless you, but he wants some substance in you. He wants to make sure you're a good tenant. You know, I think that's why our church is so blessed right now. I really do. You know, God has blessed this church with finances. It comes in sometimes from some, you know, it's like some strange areas. Why? Because I think our leadership here, I think our pastor's team's here. I, I think there, there is some heaviness to them. There's some substance to them. They're not doing foolish things. Amen. Amen. So, so God wants to bless. He said, I want to enlarge your territory. I want, I, I want to do that for you. It's okay to ask God for nice things. It's okay to be wealthy. It's okay to have nice things. It is not okay for wealth to have you. Big difference. Listen, I read this and, and my wife and I, we're asking God for some things this year. I've been preaching since I was 15 years old. I, I, I pastored my first church when I was like 20. I've been doing this for a long time, and I have made a ton of mistakes. I really have, you know, because there were times that the church would pay me, and I would say, you know what? I, I need to go work a job part-time so I can handle this person and, and hire this person and do that instead of being able to devote my central attention to what God had called me to. And as a result of that, I was one of those statistics that a few years ago just burned out physically, mentally, emotionally, in every way. And you've heard me say this, this church saved my life. And being able to come here and minister and to pastor is a dream come true. But I, I'm 61 years old. I've got a few days left on this earth, you know, but as one of my, it upset my kids one time, I said, the road behind me is much longer than the road in front of me. I know that. I'm okay with that. But I've asked God to do this this year. I've asked God to extend my territory. I've asked him to extend my territory and make a provision so that in my last years of ministry that I'll be able to do more and win more people and minister to more people than the 40-some years that were behind me. Can you agree with me on that? Amen. Amen. I want to be able to be able to lift up the hands of our pastor. I want to be able to minister to the people in this church. I want to be able to do that. I'm asking God for provision and help me to be a good steward. In all of that. Mm. We need to remain honorable in that. So, how do we do this? This is Matthew 10, 7. As you go, do something. Proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven is, has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. We are to be givers. Now, Listen, how do we do this? First, get control of your finances. Penny and I have, have started working on that. We went to classes to learn to do be things better. We've retired most of our debt, almost all of it. We don't charge things uh, if we can't afford it. And it's not a necessity. You know, if our furnace broke, we would have to charge it, you know. But if it's not a necessity, we don't buy it. We wait till we got the money for it. We're, we're getting all of that stuff into agreement. We quit going in debt, the cash principle. I heard a definition of prosperity is this. Prosperity means you can't have everything your beady little eyes see. That's the first step into prosperity. Get in agreement with your spouse in spending and giving. So... I'm going fast again, but some of you are getting hungry. How do we do this? We are blessed to give joyfully. 
<laughs> ah, you know, don't. If you're here today, I ain't giving no money. I'm just going, I don't, he just wants my money. Take your money, wad it up really, really tight, and stick it right down in the bottom of your pocket as far as you can put it down there. Because it'll do you just as much good there as it will giving reluctantly. He says he loves a joyful, a cheerful giver. And in the scripture, when we see that, remember this, whoever sows sparingly, you don't give much, you ain't going to get much. Whoever sows generously, going to reap generously, you want a lot, give a lot. Isn't that that get rich quick? No, you just give and God will take care of it. I never worry about God's return. God says give, I just give and I, I don't worry about it. Each of you should give that way when you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, under compulsion, none of those tricks. For God loves a cheerful giver. And that word cheerful in the original text means hilarious. When you go and give your offering, whether it's on, the, uh, on your phone or whether you put it in, smile, laugh. Matter of fact, you should go, ha ha, I get to give today. Woohoo! Cheerful. Pastor, that's just crazy. Okay, we'll give crazy. Okay, so listen, we need to give cheerfully. The difference between mature and immature is how you give, not just what you give. Remember, me, mine, mine, mine. When I was a kid, I loved to get gifts. Now that I'm an adult, I love to give gifts. We're blessed to give cheerfully. We're blessed to give extravagantly. Every once in a while, you need to give something extravagant. Call it stupid giving if you want to, but sometimes you just need to give out of your abundance, not for the need as much as for you. You just need to do it. I skipped this in the first service, but it's in your notes. Uh, in Mark, it talks about the woman here who came with an alabaster jar, very expensive perfume. She poured it out on Jesus' head and uh, some there were saying, oh, why waste that perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages. That was stupid giving. Not stupid as in you're dumb. It's just like crazy giving, you know? And they rebuked her harshly. Jesus did not, however. Listen, there's sometimes you've got it, you just need to give it. I, I, you can even do it, with, it's not always within the church. Uh, a, a few years ago, I had saved money for a new computer. My computer, my, you know, it was getting old. There was some problems, some bugs with it. And, you know, it, it, it was, I didn't buy one, in, I didn't want one of them cheap ones, you know. And I had saved every wedding that I did, speaking engagements. You know, when Penny would give me my allowance, yes, she gives me my allowance. Why? She's smarter than I am with money. So I submit to her in that area, you know, and, and she's much better. I would screw it all up. That's something else to learn in marriage. Find out who's good. So she gives me my allowance. Sometimes she gives me more than I deserve. And she gives me my allowance. And if it's $20 and I spend 10, I hide 10 of it away. She does not know where, but I hide it until I've got enough to buy what I want to buy. And so I wanted this new computer. I've got enough money. I've been to the Mac store. I got enough money. It's taken me a year to save this money. And she says, honey, the new school year is coming up. And, uh, you know, and the piano teaching that I do and all the stuff. I really need a computer, a laptop that I can take with me to my classroom. I wasn't going to get a laptop. I got this big the extra big screen. I got it, honey. Yeah, I, 
maybe we can, oh, okay. <laughs> she said, okay. And when I started praying, God said, you need to sow into your wife and into her work. And so I took the money and we went to the Mac store. Michael was sitting here in the first service. Why did I go to the Mac store? Because I love my wife. <laughs> Some of you will get that later. And I gave it to her. You know, it's one of the biggest blessings that, that, that it's good to bless people that you love too. It's good to do that. One, one other story real quick. We, we, we were going to go on a cruise one year. We, we were like, okay, we're going to start saving money. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And in the middle of all this plan, it was our 25th anniversary, so centuries ago. You know, it was our 25th anniversary. And then all of a sudden, one of our kids says, yeah, I want to go to this internship in Kansas City. It's a last-minute thing, and I need some money. And, you know, I know I, I can send some letters out, but I don't know. We said, well, you know, we don't have to go on the fancy cruise. We can go on a lesser cruise. So we'll help you go to this ministry thing because that's a great thing for our son. And then our next son comes along and says, you know, I'm going to stay at Teen Mania. And there's this trip coming up and I need to go on and I don't have enough time to raise the money and you know what we don't have to go on a seven day cruise we can go on a five day cruise and we'll do that and then our third son said you know what I've been really praying and I feel like I need to go to Panama for the summer and work with the Kuna Indians in the in the Darien jungle and I just need money and so for our 25th anniversary my wife and I got on a boat in Crisfield Maryland went to Smith Island ate dinner came back and that was it but we had the money we had the money and we just gave and God blessed us. And our sons had life-changing experiences. The last thing we need to do is we're blessed to give sacrificially. Sometimes you give even when it means you might do without. Sometimes you just got to do that. And the scripture, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you this, this poor widow had put more into the treasury than all of the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. They put every, she, and put everything that she had to live on. And uh, the Bible says that they ridiculed her for it. They rebuked her for it. We need to tend, out, tend to give out of our excess. Sometimes we just need to give out of listening to the voice of God. And sometimes it's a stretch. Sometimes... It means doing without that thing you wanted to do or doing without other things and just depending on God. Now, I'm not talking about cleaning your bank account out, not paying your mortgage. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. But we tend to give out of our excess. The Bible says she gave more. My last trip to Zimbabwe a few years ago, I preached this conference to ministers. They were poor. Most of them came we had several, several. At night, we had hundreds of people show up for the crusade. But in the daytime, there were dozens and dozens of ministers. And I would train them through the day. I, I, I remember giving $100 to the pastor saying, can you buy the meals for the pastors? I'll give you some more money. I'd raised a lot of money to go. Oh, $100 will feed all of these for the whole week. Well, how many meals? Three meals. Well, they were eating something called sudza and some other things that weren't expensive. So, okay, ask me if you need more money. At the end of the week, these poor people, many of them walked miles, miles to be there, sleeping on the floor every night. And they have scorpions there. <laughs> and at the end of the crusade, the pastor came to me and he had tears in his eyes. 
And he said, Pastor, we, we received an offering for you. And he gave me $72. I probably had seven or $800 cash because I was buying things for ministries and doing things there. $72. And I had credit that would go beyond that, way beyond that. And I got ready to give it back to him. And the Lord said, no, they need to give. Thank you very much, Pastor. <gasps> you took that money from them. Just to let you know, when I was back in South Africa a couple days later, I gave it to a ministry that was feeding kids, okay? Plus more. That church is very blessed today. In a country that is impoverished, they're feeding people. They fed over a th and gave Christmas gifts to over a thousand children at Christmas this year. Thousand. So, sometimes you need to give sacrificially. Last story, and then we're going to get ready to pray. When Penny and I again were in college and we were poor, I would come home from Tennessee praying we would have enough gas to get home. <laughs> I mean, really. And this was during the gas oil embargo. There were times if you traveled on Thursday and you had an odd number tag, you, you didn't get gas. It was even. You guys don't know that. Read history. But I remember we got this sweet hookup. My father-in-law knew a minister in Virginia that he was very close to, and he found out we would travel back and forth. He said, you tell Perry and Penny to come to my church in Richmond he can preach for me on Sunday. We'll give him a nice offering, and he'll have enough money to pay for all of his gas and food and everything else. It's like, whoa! And I go to preach, and they're give, and it's actually a Sunday night service, and it's a full house, and there's a building project going on. They've got these temporary curtains up, and the pastor says, we want to bless our speaker tonight, want you to give abundantly, and I'm sitting on the platform, and I'm looking, and the offering plates are piled up, and I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus, and as I'm getting ready to preach, the Lord whispers to me and says, you need to give that to the building project, but Lord, could I... I got enough gas to get to Delaware. We, you know, I ain't going to be able to eat <laughs> going there. And I just felt it overwhelming. This is giving out of sacrificially. And after I wrestled with the Lord, Penny would have done it like that. She's a much better giver than me. Okay, Lord, there it goes. <laughs> me, I'm wrestling with God a little bit. Okay, God, we're going to give it. And I lean over to the pastor and I said, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. But just take that money and put it towards the building program. So we end it over. We spend the night with the pastor. Get up the next morning. We're having breakfast. Knock at the door. The pastor goes talk to somebody. This again is in the late 70s. Pastor comes back in and he says, well... This man just came to the door and he said, God woke him up this morning and told me to write you a check for a few hundred dollars and give it to you. It wasn't part of the offering that God told me to put in the building fund. He said, the Lord told him that you needed this money and he wrote a check out for you for several hundred dollars. 
And I went, thank you, Jesus. Because when you give out of sacrifice, the God that I serve, I'm not saying it will happen that quick. And it may be a blessing that comes a thousand other ways. But when you're the tenant and he's the owner, God will take care of you. So, how do I do this? Buy food for somebody that's in need. Get them a gift card. Come out to serve day or to the Easter egg hunt. Give your time, your effort. Find something that you and your spouse can contribute to. But let God be in control of your money. Would you just bow your heads right now? Unusual message to talk about the spirit of our soul. But I'm going to tell you, God loves you. It says not only does he, is he the owner of the earth, he loves you and he's your father. And if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior and you would like to make that decision to serve him. And that's you today. Would you just lift your hand real quick? Anybody else at all? I preach this this in the first service. And again, we're not trying to get your money. God's going to bless this church. Don't go out of here saying, you know, Michael didn't put me up to this. Not at all. He didn't know. He didn't look at my notes. Not at all. This is not a condemning thing. This is a set you free. If God's blessed you and you're super duper wealthy, hallelujah. If you're not there yet, hallelujah. It's all God's. God is always taking care of me. Yes, there have been lean times. Yes, I've gone on a forced fast. Yes, I've stood in line for food stamps in my life. And God has blessed me. I know what it is to be poor. I know what it is to have abundance. It's the same God. And he wants to bless you. So, would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet? We did this in the marriage conference for receiving help in our marriage. If you're here today and, and, and you want to be that blessing, you want to receive from God so that you can be a blessing to others, would you just kind of turn your hands up to God and say, Lord, give me what you want me to have so that I can be a blessing. Father, I thank you and praise you. And I speak blessings over everyone here today. I thank you, God. Help us to be extravagant in our giving. Help us to be, to, to, to not be greedy. Help us, Lord, to be in control of the things you've given to us and not wasteful. But Lord, help us to reach the lost. I thank you and I praise you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for staying with me a little extra longer today. I do apologize. If you'd come to early service, we're forced to get you out early. Some of you could come to early service. We got seats. You know, I thank you. I love you. Thank you for receiving your day. Let's do this. Let's worship God before we get out of here. The worship team's back up here again. So let's just have a fun time right now. Praise God.